Mark 14, beginning at verse 1. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus and se secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where, may, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you to a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Here ends the reading.
water glass, $5. Energy saving bulb, $4. Reusable bag, $2. Helping your dad become a better man, priceless. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's credit and debit MasterCard. Now, whether you have MasterCard or some other bank card, there are lots of things that money can buy. In our consumer society, it seems that everything has a price tag. In fact, you know, we say even people have a price. Um, if you follow sports, you'll know that sports people can be bought and sold. They bring huge value to the team that they join, and they sell for huge amounts of money. Or hostages. Kidnappers know how much families value their loved one, and so they demand a ransom to set them free. Or something quite different. Families where one of the members is sick, and other family members are prepared to donate a kidney or bone marrow because they love that family member and they want to help heal them. And a few members of Snebs have actually done that. This passage from Mark asks this question. What's Jesus worth? What's his price tag? How valuable is he? Many people today, many people in our city would answer, Nothing really. You know, I'm not interested in Jesus. I don't bother with him. For some, perhaps he's got value as an influential spiritual leader, that some aspects of his, of his philosophy could help us with our lives. Our understanding the kind of Christian faith that's growing up around him can help us to understand a bit of contemporary society. Now, that's not the case with everyone. To many of us here tonight, Jesus is very valuable. You have a living relationship with him. You want to be here in church tonight. You love him. and You serve him. Although maybe for some of us you're not so sure. At the moment you're thinking, is he still worth it? In these final chapters of his gospel, Mark slows the action down and he leads us through the events leading up to that first Easter. And he begins with Jesus eating two meals. At the first, he's a guest in Bethany. At the second, he's the host in Jerusalem. But Mark's not interested in what's on the menu or how lovely the rooms were. He wants to show us Jesus, and in particular, what he's worth and why he's worth it. So that we leave tonight appreciating his true value and valuing him with our all. So this first meal, the first 11 verses about what Jesus is worth. Now, if we talk to anyone who had attended this first meal, they wouldn't remember the food or the, or the fun that they had. They would remember the perfume. Now, some of us, perhaps most of us, from time to time, put on a little bit of perfume. I have here some Joe Malone perfume. Mrs. Nesbitt has very kindly let me have some of it. She doesn't mind me spraying a little bit of it around. Perhaps Joe Malone's not your thing. 
some Hugo Boss. I just want to reassure everyone that this sermon is not sponsored by MasterCard, Joe Malone, or Hugo Boss. But we do, from time to time, we perhaps put on perfume, special occasion, want to attract a little bit of attention, hoping that some heads turn towards us. Well, it's safe to say that this woman had everyone's attention because she goes over the top. This fragrance, I know some people are already struggling, don't worry, at City, one poor lady had a coughing fit. Um, This fragrance went everywhere, and it lingered for a long time. And because she poured out the whole bottle, all of it, all over Jesus, and it would have soaked into his hair, dying into his clothes, onto the couch, onto the floor... And it wasn't the cheap, nasty stuff either. It was so expensive, so lavish, so extravagant, so wasteful. Verse 4. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. It would be worth around £25,000 today. It would have been a family heirloom might have been her savings. It was extremely valuable. And if she was going to use it, think of all the people she could have helped. Like, didn't she know that at the Passover, this was a time to give generously to the poor? And here she was wasting it all on one person, just pouring it all over Jesus. And they rebuked her harshly. Like, imagine how she must have felt. And yet she didn't feel that she was wasting her perfume, and neither does Jesus. Her extravagant actions are matched by his extravagant defense. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? He rebukes them. And he says, verse 8, she did what she could. The poor you can help any time, and we should. But Jesus wasn't going to be in Bethany again. This was her chance to show her lavish love for him, and she took it. And what she did, Jesus says, is a beautiful thing. Like so often in our world, beauty is is about image, the right makeup, particular style, the latest clothes, a gorgeous house, It can all be a bit superficial. Or we follow celebrities, the rich and the famous. They're the beautiful people. And Jesus says, here's real beauty. She honored Jesus, and Jesus honored her. And then in verses 8 and 9, Jesus brings out the deeper significance of what she did. She may or may not have been aware of it, but Jesus is. In the Old Testament, kings were anointed. And Mark has made it clear that Jesus is a king. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. That's a title. It's not his surname. It means anointed one. But Jesus doesn't see what she's done as a sign that that she recognizes him as king. He receives it as an anointing for his burial. Back then, people packed spices around the dead body before they buried it. 
And here she is honoring Jesus in his death. He knows he will die in a few days. His death is very important, of huge significance. In fact, verse 9, Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. His death is good news, not just for a few people, but for the whole world. Remembered not just for a few years, but for generations. And here we are, 2,000 years later, 2,000 miles away, and we're still talking about what she did and what he did. A bottle of perfume, 25,000 pounds, showing my love for Jesus, priceless. So Jesus' death is extremely valuable. And Mark emphasizes that in the way that he tells the story. He begins with the chief priests and the teachers of law scheming to put Jesus to death. There in verse 2. And then he ends it with Judas, a traitor among the disciples, a willing accomplice to their plot. You see, Jesus' death is valuable to Judas. He puts a price tag on him. The other Gospels tell us, 30 pieces of silver. He's not spending money on Jesus. He's making money out of Jesus. And yet what he'll gain from Jesus, he'll quickly lose. Verse 21, But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And for us, what's Jesus worth? Listen again to how Jesus commands this woman. She did what she could. And those words should set us free. She didn't think, there's nothing I can do. I'm not a preacher. I can't leave my village. I don't know a great deal of theology. But she didn't have to have any of those things. As the woman she was, with the perfume she had, she did what she could. She broke it and released the fragrance because he was worth it. As the person you are, how can you and I show our love for Jesus? What's valuable that we can break? What can we release? What about our time? Probably the most precious resource in Oxford. Many of us are so busy. Are we willing to commit our schedules to him? To serve him with what we plan to do and in the unexpected opportunities that he sends? What about our money? But I need it. I don't have a great deal of it. I need it. It gives me security. I need it to buy the stuff that I want to buy. It gives my money. I've earned it. Will we break open our bank accounts for Jesus? What about our gifts? Here on Tuesday night, we had an evening thinking about spiritual gifts. Gifts that God has given to us to build up his church. Will we help each other to use them for God's glory? What about our reputations? This woman was rebuked harshly. No doubt it hurt. But Jesus' words healed. 
Will we identify with Jesus, even if our friends and colleagues ridicule us and poke fun at us? Will we go to the Christian Union? Will we speak of him? When she broke the jar, there was no going back. It was costly. And for us, break it. He's worth it. Jesus says, I see what you do for me, all of it. And it's not wasted. It's a beautiful thing you've done for me. But why? Why is he worth it? Well, this second meal in Jerusalem, in verses 12 through to 26, tells us why. And this one's not about the perfume. It's about the Passover. Jesus is the host. And like any good host, he's planned the evening carefully. So that verse 26, the disciples find things just as Jesus had told them. And like a good host, he's got a guest list. He's going to eat this meal with his 12 disciples. But then Jesus punctures the atmosphere by announcing that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with you, with me. Many leaders are always on the lookout for plots. Chief executives are suspicious of the people around them. Politicians are always afraid of a stab in the back. But Jesus here just states it, and he offers no resistance He's not insecure. He knows it will happen. In fact, he's doing what Scripture said he would do. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. In the Old Testament, the Scripture, the Old Testament Scriptures are the key to understanding his death. This Passover meal celebrated God rescuing his people from Egypt. They were slaves, and God sent Moses to Pharaoh, and he was to say, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And after nine plagues, God promised one more plague, that the angel of death would pass through Egypt, and it would kill all the firstborn sons. But the people were to kill a perfect lamb, and to take the blood and wipe it on the door frames of their houses. And when the angel saw the blood, it would pass over that house. The firstborn would live because the lamb died as the substitute. And that's what happens. And that very night, Israel left Egypt. And each year, God's people reenacted this meal by killing and eating a lamb. It defined who they were as a people. And this meal had a script to repeat, and rituals to perform, and everyone would have known them. There was a rhythm to it all. And then Jesus shocks them all by rewriting it. That this meal is not just about looking back to what happened in the Exodus. It's looking forward to his death in a few days' time. That bread in his hand... It's the bread of affliction. And Jesus is saying, I will be afflicted. I will suffer. And he, he breaks the bread. 
And as he does so, he is acting out his death. He will be torn apart. His body will be broken on the cross. And just like that lamb died, so others might live. Jesus will die as the substitute, taking God's judgment and bringing life to others. And through his death, God's people will experience a new exodus. And after that first exodus, God led his people to Mount Sinai. He had redeemed them so that they would enjoy a relationship with him, so that they could live with him and worship him. He gave them the Ten Commandments. And then in Exodus chapter 24, we read of a special ceremony between God and the people. This new relationship was sealed, this covenant between God and the people. Moses sacrificed some animals, and he took the blood, and he took half of it, and he sprinkled it against the altar. And then the other half he sprinkled all over the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. This is how committed God is to his people, how much he loves them. A century later, Jesus takes a cup and pours wine into it. And he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Poured out means he'll die a violent death. His precious blood will be shed. He will bleed and die to establish that new covenant between us and God. The covenant in which all of our sins will be forgiven and we will know God deeply and he will change our hearts so that we can live for him. This is what he did for us. Jesus ate that meal with his betrayer with men who in a few hours would desert him, with traitors and cowards, sinners like you and me. For us, he gave his life. And how should we respond? Take it, Jesus says. Take it. Like imagine you're eating a meal with others, perhaps after the 6.30 tonight, and someone hands you a plate of food, and um, it smells delicious. And, but you just sit there and you look at it. You look at the foods on the plate. You look at the people around you. But you don't eat anything. And the person asks you, like, are you okay? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. Is there anything wrong with the food? No. So why aren't you eating? And you say, well, I just find looking at food fills me up. You know, I get all the nourishment I need just from looking at the food on the plates. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I think I would be a little bit concerned for that person. Like, that's not how it works. We've got to eat the food in order for it to nourish us. And Jesus says to us, take it. Take advantage of my sacrifice. 
trust in my death so you can be forgiven and belong to my people. It's not enough to see or to listen. You must believe. Take it. Take me into your life. Let me be your life. Let me nourish you. Have you done that? If you haven't, tonight would be a great night to do that. And if you haven't, or if you have, well, praise God. He's yours, and you belong to him. In a few minutes, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. Behind me, the bread is cut up, the wine is poured out, freely offered, life-giving, hunger-satisfying, relationship-making, generous, nourishing, available. That's Jesus for us. And tonight, and in these weeks of Lent leading up to Easter, are another opportunity for us to marvel again at what Jesus gave for us. Take it. Take him. There are some things money can't buy, and neither can MasterCard, and God's salvation is one of them. But you don't need to pay, because Jesus has paid, and that's why he's priceless. So these two meals. The first one, the perfume shows us what Jesus is worth. The second one, the Passover, shows us why he's worth it. And if that's not enough, Jesus gives us a sneak preview of a third meal. It's there in verse 25. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And this one will be a fantastic banquet in the new creation. And there will be amazing food and drink and company and Jesus will be there. And if you trust in him and belong to him, if you take him and break what's valuable for him, then you can meet him at that meal. And 25,000 pounds worth of perfume and all the different sacrifices that we make will all be worthwhile on that day. In fact, they will seem small gestures compared to all that he has done for us. Let's take a moment to reflect on God's word and these two meals. Perhaps to express your love to the Lord. To give thanks to him for his love for you. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. Loving Lord, thank you for giving the most precious thing that you had, your very life for us. Broken body, poured out blood. To redeem us, to establish that new relationship, that new covenant. 
with you. Lord, we thank you so much. We are sorry for the coldness of our love. Please, Lord, melt our hearts. Help us to turn our eyes to you. And help us to break what's valuable for you, to do what we can to show our love and devotion in response to all that you have done for us. We thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.